We brought you damn good beer, and now we're bringing to you damn good beef. Hassle Cattle Company is the best source for farm-to-table Wagyu beef in the country. Um, it's a fourth-generation cattle farm out of Texas, and they ship all over the United States and straight to your door. They call their beef the blue-collar Wagyu. Why? Because it's the best damn Wagyu that every man or woman can afford. Hassle Cattle Company offers Wagyu smoked sausage, New York strip, beef bacon, Wagyu frank without any fillers, two jerky flavors, original and sweet and spicy. Their hamburger won Food Network's Northeast Burger Jam. And not only do we love their beef, the country loves their beef. These guys take their registered bulls, they breed them with Angus cows, giving you that very high prime product that is grown with zero antibiotics and hormones. So head to HassleCattleCompany.com. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L CattleCompany.com. Use the promo code DMVR10 for 10% off your order. That's DMVR10 for 10% off. Any orders over $200 and you receive free shipping. Check them out and we promise you will not be disappointed. Oh yeah, we are here, draft pod in full effect. Thank you, fellas, for making it. Obviously, busy week, especially for our guys covering college hoops. More on that on some latter segments. Um, yeah, lots to catch up on. We promise double duty draft pod this week, and that is what we're doing. And yeah, we're covering a debatable dubious um rough interior defensive line class which is a shame for the broncos because i might argue that on paper depending on what happens with shelby harris that could be the biggest need on this entire roster um certainly as far as establishing real difference makers up front but before that we have plenty of draft news to get into and it probably should start with trey lance's pro day that george payton was in attendance for rave reviews um all around he completed 60 or 58 to 66 passes with a couple drops in there some nice frozen ropes notable that him and his uh kind of qb guru coach Quincy Avery put together a script that had a lot of concepts from the Kyle Shanahan, Arthur Smith offenses, kind of catering to teams that might be interested in Trey Lance. Not exactly the Pat Shermer offense, but certainly kind of that same West Coast tree. Um, beyond Peyton, some very notable, um, you know, front office decision makers in attendance, including Jets GM Joe Douglas, Falcons GM Terry Fontenot, uh, Falcons head coach Arthur Smith, Lions coach Dan Campbell, and their GM, Panthers GM, including their coach and offensive coordinator, and then the Washington football team GM. So certainly tons of interest in Trey Lance. Not hearing much buzz, but as Henry stated all along, Trey Lance basically drew lock measurements far from, or you could even say Patrick Mahomes measurements, but far from a Josh Allen, you know, like Big Ben behemoth of a man. Um, and also I'm not seeing anything about his hand size, but from what I'm reading, a little, a little low. Uh, which of course, when you're playing in weather, and Denver, as we know, does have weather. We're about to experience some right now. Um, 
that's a factor. Anything you guys want to take away from Trey Lance, um, I think really it's a, it's an unwritten book. The, the shoe needs to fall once we see Justin Fields and some of that, and maybe then the recency bias will seep in, uh, Mac Jones, what have you. Um, but thoughts on Trey Lance, and then we had a ton of other pro days go down with uh, plenty of takeaways from those as well. But uh, I, I leave the floor to you, fellas. Big thing I think I learned about Lance from the pro day is actually not really on the field, just how many glowing reviews yeah. we saw coming from multiple sources about his character, his work ethic, um, you know, something that we're not going to be able to find out until these teams obviously all get together and meet with the people at NDSU. So, um, I mean, you have the youth on your side, you got the glowing character reviews, you obviously have the tools. Stock just looks better and better, it seems. Yeah. I mean, is it that common though for it to come out that a potentially, you know, top 10 quarterback has poor work ethic? I mean, I'm just saying, take it with somewhat of a grain of salt. You know that his coaches, his guys are going to be, you know, oh yeah, he's a grinder. You know, he's in the film room all the time. He's first one on the field, last one to leave. You hope all of that stuff is true. I just mean like we very rarely are we going to hear somebody's just Oh man, this guy is a selfish asshole. Doesn't know the playbook. Doesn't know what's going on out there. I'm so glad he's out of this system. Like, please yeah. somebody take him just so I don't have to coach him anymore. It is at least worth noting with a year to scrutinize just his character since we had no tape, nothing's come out. But fair. Um, definitely fair. Yeah. Right. No Bill Callahan situations where uh, his teammates hate him didn't exactly. come to his birthday party. But yes, overall, it is passing a very limited threshold, right? Um, not being a total douchebag. Um, didn't learn anything. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, to our FCS whisper, anything you take from this, Hank? Not really. I, I, I saw the highlights. I didn't really watch the whole thing. But yeah, the, the take that I saw a few times was, yeah, Trey Lance made some really good throws. He missed a couple more than he should have people were saying it was a more challenging pro day routine that they put him through. I can't really mm -hmm. speak to that, but I mean, a guy who made some really nice looking throws missed a couple. They thought he should have made. That sounds like what we would expect from Trey Lance. It seems yeah. like you got what you wanted out of this. Like if you're a big Absolutely. Trey Lance supporter, you're, Oh, there was the flash. There's yep. the arm strength. Look, he's going to be awesome in the Shanahan system. If you're a Trey Lance skeptic, it's, you know, he probably missed a few too many throws, you know. Oh, I, I, I'm not sure. It's still just FCS. Is this going to be enough? It's a controlled scenario, and he still wasn't perfect. But right, I I don't know. I have such a hard time with these, especially not being able to be there in person yes. and, and watch these throws and, and watch how he's, you know, interacting with everyone. It, I feel like we're in such a weird spot. Totally, and I don't think it had notable moments. Like, you know, I was at two Josh Allen pro days, um, the official one that had Gary Kubiak was there when the Broncos had the fifth pick, both Brown's GM and head coach were there. A member of the Mara family was there. Mayock before he became a GM was there. I mean, it was a who's who and he looked insanely good, especially on the deep balls in that Wyoming setting. I remember Sam Darnold throwing in the rain and a ton of throws on the run and on the move and really impressing or like Johnny Manziel doing his pro day in a full Jersey. You know, it didn't have those kind of notable moments. Um, footwork looked crisp arm 
looked really accurate, squeezing balls into tight windows, frozen ropes deep, nice touch on more intermediate throws. My only note would be, yes, footwork look crisp and all, but I'm seeing a little bit of a, okay, then waiting to see the guy, you know, is he where I need him to be instead of just the point of footwork is one, two, three, four, five, boom. That's the West Coast offense. It's coordinated with your footwork, your drops, coordinate with your your tree, uh, you know, your route tree and your progressions. And it's all just rhythmic. And, you know, so he's got a ways to go from there. Big whoop. But I do think it's interesting. Trevor Lawrence, for example, 10-inch hands. Exactly what we're looking for. Nine and an eighth inch from Trey Lance. So he this isn't the behemoth specimen he's made out to be. And of course, um, Matt Miller kind of on one of those talk show. Um, holy shit. It is Matt Miller. That's the about, draft. Yep. Are you talking about the Lamar comp? Yes. Oh um, <laughs> with the Lamar comp, much one comp to Lamar Jackson. They both didn't run forties. So we don't have that on record for either. Um, but you know, so you don't check off. You don't clear the threshold on maybe really grading out as outstanding measurements and then you don't give us any athletic testing either so kind of he held serve as justin put it he did what he needed to and it's gonna be right it if you wanted to if you like trey lance you're like hey he did what he needed to he held serve if you didn't like trey lance you're saying hey man you know he had a year to just work on this stupid pro day this is what you wanted good luck to you um and then you might mention some of the measurement stuff maybe more noteworthy for kind of what's going to happen in the eight picks ahead of the Broncos is what happened at the Northwestern pro day. Jake, you alerted us on that. Um, Two really notable days from two guys who almost certainly are top hundred picks more likely than not even top 50 picks. Um, So, you know, our big, our big 10 expert over there, uh, break it down for us. John Slater measured in at 33-inch arms, which, as Andre has preached multiple times on the show, 34 is that magic threshold number for tackles. Um, You know, we'll get to Daniel Jeremiah's conference call later, but he kind of commented on that uh, in his conference call. He didn't seem too worried about it Mm -hmm. and really kind of preached up Slater's versatility uh, along the whole offensive line, seeing some teams even have him rated highly as a center. So not necessarily, you know, a death mark for Slater, but still something worth noting. I mean, especially for the Broncos. I mean, he's potentially going to slide out of that top eight slot now. And, you know, if they're looking for a quarterback, it's just got that much harder because of that. At at the same time, I mean, with Rashawn Slater, the bench press puts up 33 reps, runs a 488 in the 97th percentile for tackles. So even though the, the length might not be there, Still, still some positive signs from the pro day. No, I mean, some, some close to elite numbers. In fact, I, I'm glad you noted that. And uh, it's another one where the 33 inch arms matter as far as we know, Penny Sewell's arms, <laughs> because now everyone's arms are 33 inches in this damn tackle class which is slowly losing ground. We knew about that with Radunes. I'm seeing, um, is it Jackson Carmen, the the Clemson cat? I saw him under 33, which for a big bulky tackle where like that's, 
dude, that's 90% of your appeal is your, your size. Uh, and if you can't initiate the contact because your arms are short like that, that's going to be a big problem. Samuel Cosme measures in at 33 inch arms. So what's Penny Sewell going to do? Can Penny clear these, the 34 threshold? Because that's going to be huge for him in erasing the doubters like Daniel Jeremiah, who have Slater ranked ahead of him. Um, and we always talk about, you know, size should really be, it's a, it, it's divided by athleticism, you know, it's one or the other. Um, so if Rashawn Slater testing as a borderline elite tackle, okay, you can make up for that missing inch. Um, so there you go. That's the note. And then Greg Newsom corner for Northwestern runs a sub for four um, and already some buzz of him being in that conversation as cornerback three kind of fighting JC Horn for that. Um Anything else you guys want to cover on the, the pro day front? Cause we also had Oklahoma. Um, we had Texas. We mentioned Cosme as well. In fact, what were those Cosme athletic numbers? Cosme killed those. Cosme yeah. actually was better than Slater. He, uh, just uh, real quick before, before we go on to Cosme, mm-hmm. um, one last thing on Slater. It, it does make me slightly nervous when your, your talking point on him is already, versatility just given that if you need a guy that you want to your to be your lockdown starting left tackle the minute somebody's like you know yeah but worst case we'll slide him to guard or you know or we'll slide him over to center you know i have some red flags that go up there um i just wanted to throw that out there it's not no reason Absolutely. to panic and, and i'm sorry for interrupting hank there so i'll give him the floor back but that that just came to my mind 100 percent, right. great um, point but yeah so so cosme though 30 inch vertical that's 69th percentile. But then with the broad jump, the bench, the 40-yard, the short shuttle, no. and the three-cone, I guess all of no. those were in the 98th percentile or better, except for the three-cone. No. Um, that 484, 40, the 36 reps on the bench press, just some monster numbers, except for the 33-inch arms, obviously. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, both of them with some incredible um, – RAS numbers and, uh, you know, like seeing Slater very comparable to a guy like Zach Martin, a guy who I was very high on. I still believe guys like Zach Martin, Brandon Scherf could play offensive tackle in the NFL, but the choice has been made to push him in at guard and uh, they've been extraordinary in those spots. But I mean, that does change things in a major way to me. Um, as Justin pointed out, like to me, that's a huge difference if I'm drafting a guard in the top 10 or if I'm drafting my future, like franchise left tackle. If he's a it guard. Just he is. better be Quentin Nelson-esque if you're taking him top 10. You need him to basically be a perennial all pro at that point. Damn straight. I was tickled since you mentioned Quentin Nelson to see an article come out recently of the Colts should move Quentin Nelson to left tackle. My reaction, no shit. I've been saying that since he was a sophomore at Notre Dame, but it's not happening now, buddy. So, like, let it's that take go to rest. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, he's going to be the best guard of his generation. You'll just have to be happy with that at this point. Um, but, no, I mentioned the, the Red River rivalry schools um, in action 
and Joseph Osai blew it up, mm -hmm. uh, measuring in at over six three and five eighth inches, two fifty six. He runs a four six uh, five and a forty one and a half inch vert with an eleven inch broad. Those are insane numbers. Um, really explosive. Uh, so. A mea culpa on my behalf because that one episode I missed, you guys mocked him to Denver. Of course, at the time, the Broncos were drafting much lower. I gave you endless shit about it. And look at you now. Look at you now. Grins all across the Zoom call. I love to see it. <laughs> yeah, he, he um, was a monster. Um, vindication. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Yeah. Real, real quick on Texas, Caden Stearns also tested really well, too. Mm -hmm. four, 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 right? Uh, yes, four four. Um, he had a one hundred or one thirty two broad jump, vertical forty two, so explosive. Although didn't really show up on the field yep. all the time. So that is true. But a guy who, if I'm drafting him, it's because I'm gambling on upside and I have the numbers to back it up now. So that's huge for him to check off that box. That's the difference between someone taking a gamble on him in the third or him going undrafted potentially in a wacky year like this and remaining with the theme of the red rival rivalry osai blows it up ronnie perkins another edge i really like another edge daniel jeremiah spoke of glowingly on the conference call when asked about some of the edge rushing options for teams like the tennessee titans perkins loses a bit of ground because he runs a 474 a vert of 32 inches um and a broad of 97 good i oddly am not seeing his size on here so if someone could find that for me that'd be great but osai testing at elite levels perkins testing much more normal deep edge rusher class that could kind of bring them back to the pack and for a team like the broncos maybe that's a great pick come late day two for you um ramondre stevens big back we kind of like runs a four six three decent um at two, what is he? What was he coming in at two fifty or something like that? Two twenty seven. He slimmed down for the pro. He came. Wow. Yep. Yep. That's a little concerning. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm gonna say. A little concerning. He dropped that much weight and still only ran a four six. But yeah, indeed, with more troubling jumps and shuttles, um, which on those quick feet you definitely need to gamble on. Oh. Circling back, one of the bigger headlines from Pro Day season was probably the low 4-4 that Travis Etienne mm -hmm. ran. Um, that's huge for him, really huge at the Clemson Pro Day. And your guy, Amari Rogers, I'm seeing different. Um, some even having him, clocking him at 4-4, but at worst in the low 4-5s. And for a slot receiver who's winning off quickness more than speed, I think that's plenty good, especially at 211 pounds. And with 24 bench reps. You don't he see loves that those bench receivers. reps, but you're right. In the slot, you get pressed a little more. First off, he's 211. So he's he's running back size. This isn't like Braxton Berrios at like 188 pounds. Or I re shoot, I remember uh, Paul Richardson. People were like, dude, Paul Richardson's like a, a buck 65. Yeah. Um, he is not that. He is 211. Um, and you're right. You got that bench press strength. Someone presses you up top. Little Tyron Matthew comes there. Uh, you might be able to do some. That, I think, is truly emptying the clip 
on the pro day stuff. I've got a couple more. It's got PTSD from you mentioning Paul Richardson. I had to watch that dude burn CSU for a 70 yard touchdown, literally like three years in a row. And it wasn't even creative. It would just be a straight fly route, just a straight fly route. And you just watch him torch the corner, clear the safety Montez, just throw it up or whoever it was. Cepho at the time. Oh my God. That those were really bad CU teams too. Like he was all they had. Um, That's what it's. You knew it was coming. Like you yeah. just be, if I was the defensive coordinator, I'd be like, if we do anything today, we're just not going to give up a bomb to Richardson and they never adjusted. And that's why Ram fans drink <laughs> <laughs> more on that later or, or soon Henry, you had more notes for us. Go yeah. On. Uh, Puka Williams, the running back from Kansas runs a uh-huh. sub four, four forty. Uh, yeah. we haven't talked about him too much, but no, he can fly. And that's the type yes, of guy that I would like to pair with Melvin Gordon, assuming He's back now. Um, and then the other note that I had was Quinn Miners um, yes. from Wisconsin Whitewater. Just yep. an incredible day. 32-inch vertical, 111 broad jump, uh, 4 8 6 40, 4 4 7 short yeah. shuttle, yeah. 7 3, 3, 3 cone. Those are all really good numbers in case you guys don't, you know. These know are good, yeah. 3 cone is for somebody who's – For a man that size. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, going back to a guy that he didn't play football this year. So all he really had was, you know, he had the senior bowl, obviously, but this opportunity at the pro day was huge for him. It does kind of leave me a bit concerned just because you want to be careful about those uh, Tony Mandridge type guys that just kind of prepare for the combine and then, you know, see it on the field and it just doesn't look like the same person. But that is what you want people to be saying after your combine. That's true. Well, I'm not sure yeah. if we trust these because he must have been trying really hard to get these numbers where they are. I tell you what, I see those numbers and I think after studying this interior D-line class, he might, you know, he might be a concrete Charlie. I might even like put him on the other side of the ball, see what he can do on some pass rush reps. <laughs> We've met any other news and notes. We've mentioned the Daniel Jeremiah call. Um, I got one more going back to the Clemson wide receivers. Please. Cornell Powell actually tested pretty good. Um, his numbers broad jump 128, uh, vertical 36 and a half, not bad, yeah. uh, but just overall tested better than Amari Rogers. And I think Cornell Powell could really become a steal for someone, I don't know, round three ish or so. I'll throw one more yeah. out there too. Uh, Felipe Franks. Oh There's my God. The Broncos go after a late quarterback though. I mean, he measured in at 6'7", 234, and ran a four five five forty. Hey, it's something you could get excited about if the Broncos are put in a tough position. It's why he remains employed in football. It's why <laughs> yep. he still had two starting jobs in the SEC. Everyone's hoping they'll be the guy to turn Felipe Franks around. I wish you the best of luck in that. He's just pursuit. a he's just a good guy. He can change. It's okay. <laughs> I can change right, him. Damn straight. That's his teammates right. showed up to his birthday party. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yep. I've seen clips of them hanging out with him very sad after his injury as Kyle Trask completely took that program to the next level. Um yeah, the DJ conference call. Any other news and notes, pro day stuff, anything y'all want. I think we hit we, hit them all there. Are we on to the conference call? Yeah, conference call. So just, 
Um, going back to the linebackers touching on last week's pod, he had some really interesting things to say. Yes. Um, especially Jamin Davis, a guy that really kind of just popped up recently uh, appearing on DJ's top 50 a few weeks ago. And just his comments saying that he talked to some scouts and they were hoping that he would kind of remain a, remain a, a uncovered gem, I guess, yep. throughout yep. this process. And he's looking like a top 50 player from this point. Also, uh, when he was talking about Zayvon Collins, how he compared him to Leighton Vanderesh, I thought was an interesting comp. Yeah, and old scouts giving him a couple um, Erlacher comps. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, in general, I think a lot of the stuff from that conference call made me feel like, oh yeah, I agree with that. Like I'm still very high on Gregory Russo. He remains that way. Um, I I really appreciate um, Ronnie Perkins's game. He seems to be that way. Um you know, I disagree on the Slater Penny Sewell thing, certainly, and but I love Jamin Davis. So a lot of stuff was comforting, but him lauding the linebacker class was one of the things I probably disagreed with more. But it really came down to the debate we had at the top of the show is is Parsons the linebacker or an edge? Is uh JOK a linebacker or a safety? Or like the jack of all trades, nickel weapon. Um, and same thing with right. And the same thing with Saban Collins. Is he an edge? Is he a true off-ball linebacker? Where's he fit? So it really comes down to if you like those three as true linebackers, yeah, this might be a really nice linebacker class. If, like we stated, all for our different reasons, have you have our doubts on those fits, you can understand why we um differ there. So I, I did think that was very interesting. Of course, RI Mace was on that call asking. Um, Jeremiah about the Broncos and kind of the threshold on the cornerbacks and he outlined how Caleb Farley and uh, certain especially if Farley runs the way we expect separate themselves and then how uh, Newsom who we just talked about from the Northwestern Pro Day he's kind of in that mix with JC Horn I'm excited to get into that group since it's such a big need area um, but talking about needs we need to get into this interior defensive line class uh, because it's a rough one, but I think that will create for a lot of fun discussions before we do that though, Hank, any special shout outs on your docket? I know we've got plenty. Uh, yeah. Buckle up. Um, <laughs> Let's so, go. Uh, in case you guys don't know all that much about what DNVR is, um, we are yes, a media company. Yes. We do this podcast. Yes. There are a bunch of other podcasts. There's a whole bunch of yes. written content at vdnvr.com. And if yep. you become a member, you can read all of that written content on top of the free stuff we put out, like videos and podcasts and all that. Um, you yeah. also get access to the DNVR lounge, which is our Discord server. It's a yep. lot of fun. Um, I know that. Broncos fans are always in there talking nuggets too. And it's just different channels for everything, whether you want to talk about sports or whether you want to talk about food or whatever, there is a place for that and people to talk with. Um, yeah. So many cool things. And Justin, you could you plug just some of the stuff on college hoops you've got coming up? Cause that's like such yeah. a fun part of what we're doing. Obviously as and nuggets, real uh, championship window, we've got a ton of draft stuff coming and uh and free agency obviously with the broncos crew um it's you know can't miss and then the rockies are coming back so but on the college hoop since that's what what's hot right now and uh you know we're talking about those subscription benefits 
Yeah, totally. I mean, March Madness today. is here. Don't bring up Rocky. Selection Sunday coming up. We're going to have all kinds of coverage. We're going to have a live show Sunday. Uh, rain, snow, or shine. It, it might be a little bit different depending Damn on straight. what happens. We'll have to see what happens here. But, you know, there, there's no better place to talk hoops than with your fellow fans. And it, it's just a place where you never have to be alone. There's, I think about, you know, how many times have I been up at, one in the morning watching USC play Colorado or Utah State, San Diego State, and thinking to myself, like, man, it'd be great to just, you know, shoot the breeze, talk about this game with someone. The DNVR Discord, the lounge, that's where you can do that. Yep. All throughout the first round, we're going to have live shows. If you've got questions, you want to know what we think on a certain matchup, you want to, you know, a couple of flyers for your, for your bracket so that you can make your coworkers jealous, the DNVR lounge is the place to be. Hank, take it away, my friend. Yeah, um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Also, tonight, there's going to be a pregame and postgame buff show, so get ready for that. I'm mostly speaking CSC myself fans pulling for that. the buffs. Um, this is March, and it's, that's it's weird. Right. It's madness. That's it's, right. The nothing matter than playing Oregon State in a championship game. Um, Hell yeah. Let's move along. Uh, it's that time of year again. Conference tournaments are tipping off. Bubble teams are making their final push for a bid while the top seeds are preparing yes. for what they hope is a long run. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. I was... Yep. Great deal. Great deal. Four for, well, you bet $4 on a dog and you win 260 some for new sign. 256. Right? Come on, Dre. You're getting people's hopes up. There you go. On the DraftKings Sportsbook app, best app in the land, what's happening right now for our draft Knicks is we told you to jump in on Najee Harris at plus money as the top running back taken. Now the odds have switched. Najee, top guy in that field. Now maybe the values on Travis Etienne, who we just talked about, ran that low four, four plus 125. Now that's going to be an interesting race to monitor all along, despite what Jeremiah says plus 400 for Sean Slater to be the top offensive tackle to be taken. They still have those uh, Deshaun Watson offseason specials. I know those will just uh, heat up more and more with free agency and everything. You've got, you know, all the great college hoop stuff that we break down. So it's, I mean, if you're not signing up now and you're listening to this pod, I don't want to say, what are you doing? It's a judgment-free zone. But I will say, I think you're missing out and you use code DMVR you're going to be happy with some of the things that are available to you on that magnificent app. Give them the disclaimer, Hank. And uh, hold on. Can I get an update on the Jalen Waddle first wide receiver props? I believe that's still at plus 700, my friend. I believe it's still at plus 700. Can you believe it, Jake? Insane. Yeah. Juicy enough. I might double yeah. down on it. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I mean, He's got to run. He's got to run. But I think it is very, very, very possible at plus 700 that he's in that mix. So there you go. I mean, yeah, just tons of fun, fun stuff on, on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DMVR when you sign up to turn $4 into $256. If the underdog of your choosing pulls off the upset, that's code DMVR to turn $4 into $256 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Also, pew, pew, pew. Gabby Insurance is one of yes. our newest partners, and it's the first time that yes. we've talked about this on the Draft Podcast. Um, yep. We're all looking for ways to save money, especially right now. So let me ask you this. 
how would you like to keep an extra $961 a year in your pocket? That's how much Gabby customers save per year on average on car and home insurance. And that's why when I go shopping for insurance, I use Gabby. Gabby is actually really convenient to use and it's a great tool. Um, I logged on there for the first time a couple days ago just to check it out. And the way it works is it just takes you this page and asks you questions like, um, what are you trying to insure? Do you already have insurance? Um, where are you? And it's a really simple process. And you eventually just show them your insurance policy that you currently have. And then what they mm-hmm. do is look for rates for that exact same coverage. No difference in the coverage at all. So you're not saving money by getting worse coverage. You're getting the exact same thing, but it checks with all, uh, let's see, it's, it's 40 of the top insurance providers like Progressive, Nationwide, and Travelers, and it'll find you the absolute best rate for your car or home insurance. It's an awesome product, and it's definitely something that you should be checking out when it's time for you to reevaluate your insurance situation. Um, you're probably overpaying on car and home insurance. See how much Gabby can save you. It's totally free to check. There's no obligation. Go to Gabby.com slash DMVR. That's G-A-B-I dot com slash DNVR. Remember, they do not sell your info. You will not get blown up with insurance calls after checking Gabby out. That itself is super comforting to me. One more time, head to gabi.com slash DNVR and see how much you can save. Make sure you get that slash DNVR in there to give us some credit. Booyah. Um, Okay, well, we haven't talked it up all that much. It is an interesting interior defensive line and definitely one the Broncos will probably have to tip their toes in because even as I look at this group of available free agents, which of course is ever-changing and always evolving in this wacky offseason where the cap for the first time in years has gone down, um, I mean, Jarrell Casey might be one of the top available free agents on the interior defensive line class. And, you know, the Broncos are probably are, are looking at potentially losing guys like Shelby Harris and even Demarcus Walker's contracts up. So that is a group that completely needs to be rebuilt. Um, and it's it's a foundational piece of any great defense, frankly. So it really starts here with this class. And to me, there's a clear top three. Do we all agree and um, whoever would like to start with their top threes, I leave the floor to you. Go I'll go, I guess, or I'll I'll start with um, with Levi Onwuzuruke, yeah, out of Washington. And uh, I'm gonna be honest, I'm a Bama guy through and through. Mm-hmm. I love Christian Barmore. Mm-hmm. I think he flashed, and I think he did more for himself in the in the playoff run than. Yeah. You know, just about any player in the country in terms of True. improving his draft stock. True. Those are my one to two. Uh, for me, it just comes down to on Wuzuruke being such, and, I, and I'm probably butchering that that last name. I, I pronounced it like 18 times before the pod trying to get it. So Sounds I apologize <laughs> if it's not right. But he's a three down guy. I mean, he's so versatile, yeah. phenomenal athlete. You can't, you know, if you put one guy on him in the run game, he's going to absolutely blow past him. You love the lateral quickness. Um, a little bit older, you know, a redshirt senior did opt out of this season, but you know, those are my one, two. And then behind him, um, it, it's a little bit of a debate, I suppose, uh, whether you're going with uh Togai or uh Jay Tufele out of Tufele. How, how do I say that out of Tufele. USC, Henry Tufele? 
Uh, but I, I, I leaned with Tufele just because I like that he's a three down guy. I really like his Heck. upside. Yeah. Um, I, I think if you're going with Togai, good Lord, these names. <laughs> Thank you. My God. All right. If you go with him, you know, I, I like the value there. I just, I'm not sure he's a three down guy and I'm going to let somebody else talk before I mispronounce somebody else's name. Yeah. So a clear top two for Justin. I like for me, that. Yeah. 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 Third uh, I'm kind three. of right there with Justin. Um, yep. I like Onwuzurike the best. He does a lot of things. He penetrates, he's produced. Um, and you know, like Justin said, he is older and maybe that's why he looks so much cleaner than all these other guys. Cause you look through, you know, Barmore, redshirt sophomore, uh, Tufele, redshirt junior, uh, Tyler Shelvin, redshirt junior, Marlon Tui Pilotu, also there. Uh, Davion Nixon's right there. Tommy Togi, uh, Tommy Togiai is just a straight up junior. So you look through and I think you could build like a top 10 defensive lineman in this class and have Levi and Wuzurike as the only senior. And, and I wonder how much of this class not looking good is just because they haven't put all the pieces together. Cause you look at a guy like Christian Barmore, for example, and, and you watch him play and you say, yeah, want that guy on the football team. That is a big, strong man. Mm-hmm. But what else does he really bring to the table outside of being big and strong? And the answer is just not quite enough yet. He was yeah. a sophomore this year. So maybe you should be taking him ahead and saying that is somewhere where he grows. Um, to me, it's still Levi on Wuzurike just because we've seen him play so well. But then I've got Barmore behind him. Um, and, and and I that Tufele Togiai conversation, I, I went the exact same way that Justin did. I like Tufele better just because Togiai, he, he's a clogger. And, and cloggers are important. And, you know, you look back to the Broncos' defense over the last few years, you know, with uh, um, Doma Tapeco. In, in the middle of that defense, just kind of locking Not everything roast. down. And Togi I isn't that type of guy, but that is a valuable piece. It just seems like to me, if you're drafting a, a defensive lineman in the first round or two, you want somebody who's going to be able to go get the quarterback. And I'm just not so sure that you can get that from Togi I. Yeah. Yep. I agree with you guys. The other guy that I would add into my top three, that would be Davion Nixon. Yeah. I was really impressed with his combination of size and speed and just overall athleticism. Uh, mm-hmm. Watch that pick six he had against Penn State. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is a big man moving He's very, moving. very fast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and really if his measurements him. are true, uh, similar to Bearmore, yikes. Like if these guys are really 6'5", you know, Bearmore, I've seen 6'5", like in the 330s even. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably absurd, but anything 6'5", over 300, I'll take from him. And if Nixon's in that 6'3", 6'4", range in the 305, 315 range where I see him, Yikes, because the way those guys move, if that size is true, okay. Now now we're talking, you know. But sorry, Jake, go ahead. No, you're good. Um, and then after that, I would actually add um Tyler Shelvin from LSU into the conversation. Mm-hmm. More so a nose tackle than yeah. you know, a three tech or anything of that sort. But he was a fun watch. I really enjoyed watching uh, the 2019 Alabama game between the battle between Shelvin and Dickerson. It was really fun to watch. They went back and forth all game. Both kind of had their wins and losses. That was really fun to watch. And then, yeah, Tommy, to- Tommy Toji, I was the other guy I had in that range. So I would have Toji, Shelvin, Odigazua, Nixon, and Barmore in my top five. Toji, 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 Toji. Yeah, okay, I, I think I got it. 
I I do not got it. Um, and that which is probably why I ranked them way lower than I think we have a a, a consensus for the three of you. I guess I saw some. I saw a large separation in um. I, I should oh so Bearmore. Bearmore number one. I kind of hate it. Like Parsons number one last week. He's not like my favorite, but when you add all the pieces together and you're looking at both like floors and ceilings, I think his ceiling is overwhelmingly higher than anyone in this group. And I think his floor is pretty high if he can just get it together because he's got the size to be a real factor on the first two downs. And I mean, you see the flashes uh, to be a factor on third down. So he puts that all together. You're almost looking at Fletcher Cox type dude, but he's far from, I mean, put on the Florida tape. He's just, he's just a guy. He's just a guy getting his ass kicked from a very mediocre Florida offensive line. He Um, he disappeared too much. That's that's going to be the big criticism against him. You know, when you look at the, the, and from 2019 across the board, every single game, you can't stop watching this dude. He's just making plays all over the place. Barmore had that down the stretch in 2020, but especially early in the season, and it should be noted, he's coming off a knee injury early in yeah, the year. Yeah. You have a weird training camp, and that's something that we bring up constantly, all the reps, all that. The mm-hmm. whole process got disrupted. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like you said, there, there were some big games against a couple of big teams where he just wasn't very impactful now. Yeah. The, the Bama defense as a whole this year, it just it wasn't what it had been. Preach. That's really the SEC defenses across the board. Oh, man just love that floor i i think like you said you're you got that you've seen the flash i feel pretty confident if i if i land him in the first round um um, on barmore though like you said the just disappearing in games that's something um i kind of went back to with uh, toji was that you know he would pop at times and then there was just these instances of him not quite being able to finish the play where, you know, you add up uh, those missed sacks, uh, the tackles he missed on those plays, or, you know, he penetrates the backfield on a run and he gets his arms around the back and he just lets him go. So he's someone that I think is actually pretty close to. And it's why I had him in my top five, just he's a case of just all putting, putting it all together. Right. So that's what the pursuit is there. Like you said, like, He's quick, and, and you see some of those plays where he's chasing down some of these running backs to the edge, and you're like, all right, like I, you know, I could do something mm-hmm. with this. The one thing I just felt like when comparing Togiai versus Fele, Tufele completed the plays. You know, he was a bowl mm-hmm. in a china shop breaking through. If he got his hands around the quarterback, that quarterback was going down. And, and like Henry said, I just if I'm taking somebody particularly in the first round or early second round. Like you probably are going to have to, if you want to land one of these top three guys, just given that it's such a thin class, I want a three down guy. And I want a guy that I think is going to be a capable pass rusher, at least. And you know, that he's going to be good against the run. I'm I've talked myself into this class a little bit more over the last couple of days, at least these, you know, top four or five guys, you know, coming in, I, I felt like it was really bare bones. Some of the film kind of verified that, but I don't feel hor- horrible about a lot of these guys. As as thin as this class is, I think there's a lot of value here. Exactly. And that's why, like, a lot of my top guys, Bearmore, Onzerike, Nixon, I think Jalen Twyman, um, yes. like, those, ha- those guys have some high-end traits to be factors on third down, which 
as we say on this podcast from time to time, is the money down. That's where you, you know, I mean, that's where football is won and lost in the modern game. Um, but you're right. They don't put it all together. And it's why Levi is pretty high for me, even though I think the, the ceiling's fairly limited, but he has the high end traits to be a factor as a pass rusher. I don't know how much is going to be able to grow into that frame. I don't know if he, him in, in a front with him and Draymond Jones, I don't know if you have enough muscle to handle yourself down low, but Hey, I'm willing to gamble it. They think Barrymore has the highest upside. Sometimes though you put on his best game, he's just getting pushed around. Uh, you know, he's getting tackles for a loss because uh, running quarterbacks are like running the wrong lane. So he just happens to be there. He's disciplined, good two gapper. I like that. He can stay in his spot. He's not going to overrun anything. He's got to dominate more often. And, you know, like Basham was used a lot inside Carlos Basham from Wake Forest, a true DN. He was used inside a lot at the senior bowl. He's got room to grow. He's already over 275. I'd kind of put him in that group with Ozreek and Twyman and Nixon. Like, okay, like if I'm, I'm going to roll the dice anyways, I might as well. Um, and then Tufele for me falls more in a group with Marvin Wilson where it's like, man, I see the frame. Um, and those dudes are almost like seven footers in basketball. Like they're so rare in college basketball that it's like you see them, they just jump off the page. You get to the NBA, every team has two of them. It, it's not that rare anymore. Um, so it's time to really stand out. Can Tufele and especially Marvin Williams stand out? I don't know. Marvin Williams, to remain with the big man comp, he's a big man who's not banging down low. He's trying to shoot threes from the perimeter and stuff. Like, homeboy's got to have a look in the mirror and, like, figure out what he is, you know? Like that season Glenn Davis decided he was going <laughs> to yes. start shooting threes. <laughs> yes, that's kind of who he is. Yes, Justin. I agree. Um, hey, and, like, real quick, what do you think about um, – I'm not even going to try and pronounce his last name because I'm going to butcher it. Uh, Osa, the, the kid out of UCLA. Because yes. I thought he's a phenomenal athlete. You know, when you watch him, there's there's a lot to work with. It's just kind of, he's real raw. It's incomplete. You're a guy that obviously saw a ton of UCLA. You know, where are you at with him, Hank? I, I really like him. And mm-hmm. I think the last time we talked about him was after the Senior Bowl when he was ripping it up. The way that you want to yeah. see a guy like that rip it up. You know, for him... 62280 is what he's listed at. We'll see what he actually measures in as. Mm-hmm. He is a little bit undersized. I, I do think that he fits well with the Broncos if you put him in one of those defensive end spots. Um because he is such a good penetrator. Like, like I yeah. like the idea of him just taking a gap and and running that gap. And I think that in the NFL, that is something he can do. He has such quick feet, he has good hands. And he has a history of production. I'm pretty sure what he he was number He's 38 pro- this year in pass rushing rate among defensive linemen. That's his eh, production isn't great, that but. dissimilar from Anzarike. And honestly, I loved what you said about Anzarike. You put the tape on. He's like the one guy who plays hard the whole time. Justin, I feel the same way about Osa. Exactly. I think those two guys are like maybe the most consistent. And then I'd go to your guy, Tyler Shelvin. Jake, because yeah, he might just, he might be on the sideline on third down, which is a big knock for me, obviously. Um, but like, I, I can trust him the first two down. So I think those three are the guys I trust the most, but I, I have some upside questions for sure. And that's this class, man. You're either rolling the dice with one or you're going, you know, you're going to the safer route with the other camp. 
Um, and then there's the conversion candidates because what, what's true about Basham, we could have conversations about Gregory Russo. Um, we could have conversations about Quiddy Pay, who may be on third. Now, Quiddy Pay's a DN, make no mistake. But on third down, might be better off from time to time rushing inside and has that in his bag. Especially uh, if he's got some good edge with him. You know, if you put exactly. he's playing in between Bradley Chubb and Von Miller, then that's a exactly. hell of a pass rush coming at you. Totally. Especially with Chubb, who I, like pays great on slant on stunts and stuff. Yeah, they'd they'd be a really good combo. Um, so Man, dude, man, this class. Can I go back to Marvin Wilson just because there's there was so much I wanted to like about him. I thought he was a really smart player. Um, the effort was there. I thought. I mean, you saw him running down the line of scrimmage, chasing play. He wasn't getting there, but he was trying to chase plays down. Pursuit he's is just, He's got to figure out where exactly he's playing because I think he might need to lose some weight. He's a bit yeah. top heavy. Yeah, that belly sticks out a bit. Yeah. It just kind of – he's got the traits to really be potentially an impact player on the inside. I just – he's not quick enough at this point in time, and that's something yeah. that I kind of worry about just because, especially for the Broncos, if you're a weak D-line team already and you're taking Marvin Wilson the third-ish round, I just don't know how much you're going to get from him in 2021. Totally agree. Uh, the other thing I thought about Wilson was they probably, because he's such an important piece of that defense, such an important leader, probably was on the field way too much. Yeah. yeah. In the NFL, it'd be a much tighter rotation and he's probably a lot fresher and was, we're seeing him at his best more often, but you're right, Jake, there's a lot of sloppy tape, sloppy tape and a sloppy body. And you don't love that, especially since he did not play his best football last season. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you have so many of these dudes that are coming out that are just absolute freaks like yep. athletically you know yep. he's a guy where if it was 2005 i think he probably would be you know gathering a lot more attention you wouldn't be as worried about that frame but just with the direction we're heading and so much speed and having to be able to cover so much ground he's a guy that would make me pretty nervous before the fourth round and again yes. if you're denver yeah. Is he a guy you need when you when you really need a guy that can come in and make that immediate impact? You don't want a project pick necessarily. You want a guy that you can at least get into the field and trust him. I mean, you're going to have to develop all of these guys, but he seems like a bigger project than than Denver should be taking on. And and for that reason, I kind of like a guy like Tyler Shelvin, like somebody who is just yes. real big. He's a yep. nose tackle. Play him yep. at nose tackle, and then figure things out from there because. You know, I like Oso Digazua as a pass rusher. Mm-hmm. What is he as a pass rusher in the NFL as a rookie? I'm not so sure. You know, though, or at least I'm confident, the, the like Tyler Shelvin is going to be able to man the middle, just hold that ground in the way that um, a, a Domata Pekka was able to. And if he can yeah. add more, then he can add more. But at the very least, you just have something something locked up and then you can figure out the pieces around it from there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if I could go back to Osa um, real quick, I only really saw the USC game from him. Um, so you saw a lot of him versus Vera Tucker. Yep. He wasn't really able to do much against him. I think he had one sack. He might've had one miss sack or something, but he wasn't able to really get a lot of pressure going against him, which kind of mm-hmm. concerned me also just because, I think Barrett Tucker is going to be a very good uh, offensive line prospect. Again, where you play him is up to you, I guess. 
Um, another thing about Osa, though, he kind of reminded me of Ed Oliver in an instance because of how low his stance was. He's going to be someone that tests athletically really well. Dude, his um, his ability to create leverage yeah. is probably best in this class. He's really, really good at that. Um, yeah, he we saw that a he, lot in the senior bowl. He checks off a lot of boxes, man. Yeah. Um, but you're right. He's not a penetrator. And yeah, what, what's he going to do on the first two downs? And, you know, I feel like this is as good a time as any to bring in Mustafa Johnson, the defensive lineman mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. CU, because he has a lot of similarities to Osa. Um, we'll see how he mes- measures in. Having spoken with the man a few times, I'm, I don't think that 6'2 is going to hold up. I think he might be closer to six foot flat. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that is cause for concern, but it's the same thing with Osa. It's the leverage and Mustafa has been able to create that leverage against just about anybody. And I do think that he's another guy who fits well with the buffs just because he is, or, or not with the buffs with the Broncos, because he can be that just single gap penetrator in a very similar way that Osa can, um, with the, the difference being the big difference between those two, just being the size, um, the 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 quick feet they both have uh the the production they both have i'd be curious to see how different it is but i i know that like by the numbers uh mustafa terrence lang both were much more impactful than j2 fele who was right up there in the 2019 stats in terms of all the efficiency numbers and all that um but i i do think that mustafa does have a lot in common in common with osa um, and mm-hmm. if you miss out on Osa in the th- third round, then maybe Mustafa in the fifth or sixth would be a, a nice backup plan. Also, going back since we're on the Pac-12 to two Fele, I had him ranked pretty high in my top 50 coming into the season. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he didn't play. Going back to rewatch, though, man, you're dreaming so much on that size. Um, I see it, but... <sighs> I just don't know. And that's why I want to get into how many guys in this class we would even project as future starters that carries a top hundred or first three round grade for me. But I believe we have one last break, right, Hank? And then we'll do that. Any other couple closing questions, argument, late gems for us. And uh, we'll be done with this bad boy. All right. NFL draft season is upon us. It's possible that you may may have Trevor Lawrence's haircut in your pants. That's why our partners at Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming, have partnered with us to make sure you don't gamble on shaving your balls the same way you like to gamble on football. For all my draft geeks, we have an exclusive 20% off promo code DNVR at manscaped.com. Will your favorite team go defensive back in the first round? Not sure, but I am sure that with the Lawnmower 3.0, you can get your D back. Uh, because of their ceramic nice. blade and skin safe technology, your nicks and snags will be reduced. This is the perfect protection needed for your franchise quarter balls. Um, I want you to look in the mirror. Do you see any <laughs> nose or hair or nose or ear hairs dangling? Yeah. Well, the yeah. Lawnmower 3.0 can take care of those as well. Uh, I don't think I can do much more of this. So uh, get 20% off and free shipping with the code DNVR at manscaped.com. 
That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code DMVR. So many great products like the lawnmower, like the crop preserver, like the crop reviver. Make sure you check out manscaped.com and use that promo code DMVR for 20% off with free shipping. That was incredible. Well done, Henry. That just a one, right? Okay. I, uh, when you when you said look in the mirror, that that's not where I thought that that was. Uh, <laughs> that's not where I thought that that one was going. Yeah, oh, we were gonna make a joke about uh, looking bigger or something like that. But um, I will say the crop preserver gonna come in handy. That ball deodorant. Look, guys, I know we're getting giggly. I know it's a funny topic, but tomorrow's selection Sunday. If your team is on the bubble like my team is, gonna be sweating, gonna be nervous. Want to keep things nice and preserved, nice and fresh. There Shout out go. to Manscaped. Take advantage. DNVR, 20% off. Nicely done. Um, okay, how many late gems and how many guys do you have that actually carry a future starter grade? Which ones do you want to do first? You guys want to get into a couple more names we haven't got into yet? For example, Bobby Brown of Texas A&M stands out to me. I think there are times where... I can talk myself into him being like 90% of what Davion Nixon is, but then there are other times where it's just a guy on a rotation that was a pretty good line, but not much more. So for example, he does not carry a future starter grade. Man, I think I've got four. I think it's Twyman is the only other guy for me outside of the big three. And the big three for me is Nixon, uh, Bearmore on with uh, uh, the Washington kid. Um, boy, that, that I, I, I pulled a Hank there. Yes. Thank you, Henry. <laughs> so I think it really just comes down to three guys who will have top hundred grades. It could be five or four guys, sorry, but it could be five if I include Basham in that, but I need to see a lot more from Basham to feel like that conversion is doable. I know people will probably be scared off in Broncos country by a conversion like this. I'll just say this about Marcus Walker. Very different frames. Boxy frame for Walker without much room to grow into. Linear long frame for Carlos Basham. Already almost 280 pounds and I think could easily add another 15. But I really think it's four dash five future starter grades. Um, for me, and again, Shelvin, it's in the eye of the beholder because we agree it's a start on the first two downs. But mm-hmm. so I leave that question to you. Jay, I, you I pretty go? much, yeah, I pretty much have it the same. I just wanted to touch on uh, Jalen Twyman a bit just because he was a guy that I really enjoyed watching, another opt out. So that's kind of why I put him lower, was simply because I just didn't really know at this point who or what he was in terms of a football player, but the 2019 tape was pretty impressive. He was playing all over the defensive line. He was playing a shade on the nose, got all the way down to the five. Um, really liked his movement skills. Another guy who though might be a tad undersized. So I'm really interested to see where he weighs in. Um, but someone that, you know, if the Broncos are looking third, fourth round ish, and they still haven't really addressed defensive line. That's a guy that I would definitely look at. Hmm. I would add Elijah Ponder from Cincinnati to that list. That guy, um, very similar to kind of the top guys, the Levi's, the Nixons, um, you know, Twyman, Basham, you like one of those guys. 
but you can't get him. Maybe wait for round four and uh, Elijah Ponder, the Cincy defensive tackle, really nice movement, penetration skills. You know, I, I probably think he has more high-end traits than an Oso Digizua. So that's what I'd throw out there. Um, yeah, starter starter grades. You guys want to tackle that? Yeah. I'll go. I think it's four, like you said. Like the, the top three guys, I, I feel pretty confident about um, – yeah. And Wuzurike, Barmore, Tufele. Again, Tufele kind of disappeared at times, like Andre said. Yeah. I feel pretty confident in him. And then I would put Shelvin as that fourth guy. There's some flashes um, with some of these other dudes, but confidently three, but I think four. Mm-hmm. I'd just add Nixon to that list. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and. I'll say this, Nixon, for me, the comp is Malik Jackson at his peak in his final uh, year with the Broncos. He's not that dude on a play-by-play basis. He gets pushed around way too much right now. But if can unlock that, that's Nixon's upside. Again, I said, bear more of the upsides like Fletcher Cox. To be Maybe fair, 2% with, chance he reaches it. But To be fair with Nixon, though, he was playing a lot of like shade over the center, and I don't know if he's quite big enough to play there Definitely. and he was eating a lot of double teams so mm-hmm. it was clear teams were paying attention to him and really trying to neutralize him you know both in the pass rush and in the run game yeah no for sure and most productive by a mile last season than anyone in this group he was i think he was the fifth fifth most tackles for a loss from an interior defensive lineman in all of fbs football last year so that's saying something um henry how many start how many future starters do you think we got in this group it's tough um yeah levi Indeed. levi on wuzurike is a starter christian mm-hmm. barmore yeah, i know <laughs> and, and that's where the questions start um <laughs> and so that's kind of the thing i think you you have to say that there's a better than 50 percent chance that he becomes a starter i i think and so i'm going to include him that's going to be how i do my cutoff uh, Tommy Togiai, I'm going to say yes there too. Jay Tufele, mm. just because we haven't seen him for a year, I have some questions. I think Davion Nixon, we've seen enough to say that he is a starter. He's he, impact player consistently. That yeah. means he can at least fill a role at the next level. I think Tyler Shelvin is somebody I'd count as a starter just because mm-hmm. you don't – it's an upside question with him, as it yep. will be with most nose tackles. Um, yep. And – so let's see. I've left out to Fele. Can I just say and one of Shelvin also didn't play last year. Who? So, you know, Shelvin didn't play last year either. So, you know, True. To, True. to have shown that kind of grown man strength that far ago when we're going off 2019 tape. I, okay. I'm, I'm paying attention. Mm-hmm. You want to split a, a half and half? Yeah, with the USC guys, we haven't talked about Marlon Tui Pelotu at all, but he's another one. Yeah, of these, I mean, very similar to the other uh, defensive tackles or, that the Pac-12 produces, like him and Tefele, and honestly, like Onwuzurike is very similar to them in a lot of ways. There isn't much different. I think he plays the run a little bit better, and I do think that between him and Tefele, one will be a starter just playing the odds and you throw Osa in there too. So if, if I were to say, I'd say there's like five starters that come out of this. Yeah. And I'd say that there's four guys who I would say you are a starter. And then there's going to be one more that floats among 
those two or three guys. Right. And like Taquan Graham, a converted defensive end to defensive tackle out of Texas. He's intriguing. Another of these guys who's more of like that nickel weapon up front. There are bodies. There are pieces. The depth is really lacking though. Um, and yeah, I mean, Justin started this conversation off the exact right way by breaking down his list and saying there were only so many three down guys. That's the bottom line. There are only so many three down guys in this class. Um, so you're, you're projecting, you're guessing, you're rolling the dice on a lot of these guys. Um, but still a fun class. And as Justin was saying, you kind of talk yourself into it when you do a show like this, which was fun. We have a question from the count that I'm giving you as a homework assignment. We all a separate, different, our deepest cut favorite prospect, like deep cut though. Deep, Ooh. deep cut. Yeah. Just with those indie tracks. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. The, uh, that underground mixtape that you're, that you stole from your sister's car. Can I throw um, one out right now? That's defensive lineman related. Sure. I'm going to go with do. Jordan Scott. You know, the, the defensive ah, lineman from Oregon. Yes. I, he's a, he is good such fit a in a three man front. Yes, he is. Uh, he's what he's listed six, one, three, 22. You watch him play. Oh. He looks a lot bigger than that can struggle mm -hmm. against the run, but has these like surprisingly nimble feet. He's, he's like yeah. a pass rush nose tackle. And, and I'm not sure yeah. what, what that has or what value that has in the NFL at this point. But I, I do think that at the very least he is going to be a lot of fun. Pack 12 D lineman. What, what a weird year where uh, <laughs> we're, we're relying on the Pack 12 for our interior defensive line. That's how it's there's maybe two dudes out of the SEC that you would trust, and it's a hard maybe. Yeah. I mean, now, now that the Pack 12 just dominates recruiting the islands, like there's a reason these names are so tough for us to say. Levi Wuzurike, Tommy Togiai, not a Pac 12 guy, but again, from that same background, Jay Tufeli. Uh, Marlon Tui Pelodu, Oso Digazua. Like the yeah. Pac 12 has made a name for itself recruiting offensive and defensive linemen from those islands out there. It's true. I'm going to go a little homer and I'm going to take two Michigan guys. Chris Evans is a guy running back that I think late could be a really solid rotational guy. And then Ben Mason, the fullback, is someone that I think could potentially be. I don't want to say use check, but you know, that utility fullback, fullback, you know, he's going to be able to kind of have an impact in the passing game also. Well, damn, now I'm really excited about him. My only experience um, was making fun of you when he missed that block in <laughs> our group chat, <laughs> the senior bowl. He's fun, man. He's, he's nasty. And the Broncos need a fullback. I, I maybe this isn't the time or place, but I am done with this whole whatever we're calling the Andrew Beck thing. And it's nothing against Andrew Beck. It's like, if, if you are not going to use a fullback, that is fine. But if you are going to use a fullback, which the Broncos do by moving Andrew Beck into the backfield, just have a fullback. Don't use like, why are you spending so much time worrying about like, Oh, well we got to keep this ninth offensive lineman when there's somebody who's actually going to be on the field playing these football games. Like if, if you want to totally just cut that role out, cut it out. And if not, Get somebody who can play it who isn't just Andrew Beck, who's tight end too. Like, yeah. 
Oh boy. Um, we've got them going now. Uh, all my deep cuts are like guys who are staying in school or Demetric Felton who have now become like bigger guys than I would like to qualify. Like Dwayne Eskridge doesn't qualify anymore for Hank. Um, yeah, like all these guys <laughs> haven't declared. Um, I'll say this. I am higher than a lot of people. And I think this podcast is in general on Quincy Roche or okay. Roche, however oh. the kids want to call him. And I'm really surprised that the hype on Israel Mukuamu of South Carolina, who uh, opted out, had a massive game against Georgia two years ago, kind of took that over in a big upset with two interceptions. He's a huge corner. I'm just kind of shocked that he's not getting talked about more. Um, those aren't super like low key names. Like they'll be drafted fairly high, but I, I'm just really, really surprised that the national media hasn't caught on to those guys more. Jamar Jefferson running back out of Oregon state. Yeah. We talked about him a little bit. Um, I mean, he, he's a guy who's going to get drafted, you know, he's not necessarily, you know, the, the, the deepest of cuts, but I don't think he's a running back. That's getting a lot of love. I'll throw yeah. Warren Jackson's name out Dude, there. I mean, sure. obviously I'm a homer. Um, for sure though. But I, I think he's going to be a stud in the next level, regardless of whether he gets drafted or not. He just, he has this, the skills to translate his catch radius is through yeah. the roof, has the size underrated route runner, but I'm excited for this. I'm going to, I'm going to have to go real deep and try and find somebody for when we come back on try and find somebody we haven't talked about yet. Yeah. Now you guys have the, the wheels are churning. I'm mm -hmm. thinking Jared Patterson. I'm thinking like, you know, Tyler Vaughn's would qualify pretty nicely. Hank mm -hmm. TJ Vasher, the Texas tech wide receiver who's been on my radar forever. Okay. 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 We've got something here, but yeah, with a, with a, a week of homework assignment, we'll come up with even better ones. I've got real next great week question. more. Yeah. Great question. The count always delivers. Um, we will be back next week. More position previews, more fun pro day news. I love that we finally have some fresh news on that end that is actually changing our evaluations. And this defensive line class we just spoke on will be impacted by pro days as much as maybe any group because so much of like, you're just gambling on all of these imperfect prospects. And with that, we leave you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for participating asking the questions, all that. We will be back next week. Bye. Sit Jay on the board.